deals in money, we are constantly seeking deals in money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors. And you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Go really deep, really far. Don't try to be everything to everyone. Don't try to please everyone. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm with Andrew Shutsky. Andrew is joining us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. He's the founder of Redline Equity, which focuses on large value at apartment deals. Between being a GP and an LP, he has over 1,100 doors. Andrew, can you start us off with a little more about your background and what you're currently focused on? I guess I could go a little more totalitarian here. And I've got a full-time W-2 working as a CIO for a medical technology company. So completely independent of the real estate angle. So balancing that running a family, two younger kids, married, all that stuff. So on the real estate side, really got started back in, in 2007 with my single family. First house I lived in became a house hack before anybody really called us that. Kind of spiraled from there. And I thought that that was the path was to keep acquiring single family houses and neighborhoods that were close by, easy to manage and started down that path and kind of moved into short-term rental business in 2015 on the Jersey Shore area. And again, thinking, wow, this is awesome. <clears throat> Time to keep going. And then ran out of money pretty quickly on the down payment side and started looking at other options and partnerships and JVs and started looking at small multi four or eight units. And I'm like, okay, this is manageable. And then my eyes got opened. I found a thread on bigger pockets one day in mid to late 2020. And I was reading a lot of the stories and backgrounds of fellow syndicators and I've been trying to follow in their footsteps. And it kind of launched from there. I read a number of books, went hard on podcasts, starting to go into meetups. And now here we are a couple of years later from that point and very busy and engaged. Yeah. I have here that you closed your first two deals in just five months. Tell us about that. Closing two deals in your first five months, what do you count as day one? And what is it that you went through to put those two deals together so quickly? 
I love it. So day one for me was when I formally launched the LLC, which was December of 2020. I couldn't tell you the exact day. Gotcha. And then closed the first deal in uh, April of 2021. The second one right following that in May of 2021. And for me, I knew, again, busy working W2 professional, not a lot of spare time. And was really trying to focus on starting to build out my brand, tell friends and family what I was doing. Started going to a number of meetup events. I think I probably went a little hardcore. <laughs> My wife would probably agree. And I uh, met a few potential or I guess future partners and found a role for me, luckily. And I was willing to do it at that point, anything. And started out a bit broad, but wound up bringing capital, wound up being kind of the tech behind the scenes, wound up help, helping with the acquisitions. And then from there, it's kind of spiraled. So are you working with partners right now then on the GP side to put your deals together? That's correct. Yep. Within your partnerships, what is your focus? What do you specialize in? Yeah, it's funny. It took me a while to get dialed in. And I think one of the mistakes I made in the beginning was trying to do build the brand, be the social media guy, find the deals on market or off market and raise money. And I've kind of backed into a point where I'm like, you know what? I've got a great professional network and word of mouth getting out. We're delivering on our commitments. I'm look now kind of focusing on the brand and investor relations side of things and raising capital. Nice. So you have other people then on your team who are more focused on acquisitions and asset management? That's correct. Yeah, mostly on market right now, but we're starting to build that direct-to-seller campaign like everybody else is doing in the country right now too. <laughs> yeah. They're not yeah. unique in that regard. Thus far, you said December of 2020. So we're coming up on about 13, 14 months based on the day that this is being yep. recorded since you dove headfirst into apartment syndication with your W-2 on the side. Mm -hmm. What are your biggest lessons learned in the last year and a half? So I guess for me, there's a lot of potential partners out there to find deals. And I was really hungry in the beginning. And luckily they both gone, they're both performing well, but communication styles and values don't always align, right? So now I'm probably becoming a, a bit more selective in who I work with, their working styles are, simple things like showing up on time, do they share the same principles I have in terms of quality, integrity? You get more particular the more deals you do. And the fewer time and minutes you have, you want to spend them with people that you really, really enjoy being with. That's my biggest takeaway. Andrew, tell us more about that. Give us some specifics on what you're looking for in a partner. There's different ways to skin the cat when it comes to multifamily, right? Some guys want to go after as many possible doors in a year five, six, seven, 10,000 doors over a year or two. And for me, I guess the bar is still high, right? In terms of volume and helping as many people and partnering with the, the most amount of investors and help as many people as I can, but not the expense of quality or integrity, right? So for me, the asset itself has to meet certain criteria, which is probably a little more conservative than a lot of the market's doing right now. So it might take a little longer. And in terms of overseeing the asset and team communication, somebody who shows up on time, somebody who's willing to go the extra mile to make sure things are done on time to follow up with contractors. I'm not doing asset management, right? So I expect certain communication for weekly updates or monthly updates yeah, and things totally. are in sync. That's what I owe to my investors, right? And for me, I held a pretty high standard for communication and that's what I'm looking for in partners as well. High standard in communication. Yep. How far down the line of partnering with someone have you gone before realizing that they weren't the right fit for you? In the beginning, it was a lot of what I'll call speed dating, right? So sure. you kind of know, right? Almost off the bat, first date, first 15 or 30 minute phone call. In most cases, like, eh, okay, like we're not complimenting each other, right? Like you've already got enough of this and we're overlapping. And sometimes it's the third or fourth call. Like I've gotten pretty far into underwriting and I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to do this. 
I'm transferring money out of my account to stand up the at-risk capital side of things. And you're like, something doesn't sit right. And that's happened two or three times. And sometimes the things you walk away from are the best deals you do. <laughs> Walking away is one of the yes. best decisions you've made. Oh yeah, for sure. Gotcha. Can you give us an example without naming names of people you stepped out of partnering with of one of those times where the best decision you could make was stepping away? Oh yeah. So we had an asset we're looking at in Dallas with a partner down there. It was the first time I would have worked with this group and individuals and looked at the initial documentation, the underwriting, the, the OM, all the package we were about to pitch to investors, all pretty good. Went through a second iteration, went through a VA to put everything together. Is about to get ready to do the pitch deck to investors and the webinar. And then got oh, I got some updated financials and they were totally different. <laughs> and I'm not a finance guy by trade, but it doesn't take much to set off the alarm for me in terms of things that are not consistent, right? If I'm seeing jumps in, in a historical by a large amount, to me, red flag. And it wasn't like it was called out and say, hey, there was an error. It was like, oh yeah, it's fine. It's going to work. Andrew, are you a- saying that the historical financials, you were sent a second set of historical financials that was significantly different from the first? That's correct. Okay. Whose error was that, that you were given two separate sets of financials at the same time period? To this day, I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> you just, you're I'm, just a hundred percent sure it wasn't the right deal. Cause you that's a, that's, that's a hundred percent told two stories. That's correct. To me, it didn't matter. The fact that it wasn't called out from that team and that wasn't my role when I was calling it out was a red flag for me. That was enough to say, I'm fine waiting for the next one. <laughs> the team who shared those financials with you Let's see if we can cut them some slack. Was this the kind of deal that was more heavily value add where historical financials just really have no reflection on what the property will be doing three, six months after you own it? Or is this one of those situations where you're planning to keep most of the inherited tenants and not push rents too far? Yeah, this wasn't a huge value. It wasn't like it was four or $500 bumps, right? It wasn't just sure. millions of dollars into an asset, correct? So gotcha. it was a high risk situation for me and Len relatively totally. low reward. Yeah. Gotcha. You're a GP on two deals currently? Correct. Okay. How did you find those partners? Straight up through networking. So I mentioned I hit the events uh, side of things pretty hard in early 2021. And I was attending everyone at that point, all virtual, right? This was right in the midst yep. of COVID. And I was thinking, oh, it's going to take me years to find a deal and find the right people. Because at that point, I'm really not engaging with brokers. I'm saying, hey, let me see where I can help. Call it sweep the floors, so to speak, in the beginning. And making 15, 20 partnership calls and nights and weekends following those events. And with that volume, it's kind of a numbers game to find the right fit, right? But it's a lot of work and networking and hard work to find the right fit. And that's how I found those two individuals I'm working with still today. Through networking and events. Correct. Where specifically did you meet them? This one, I think it was a mix of the MFIN conference. It was a virtual one. And the second one was North Star Real Estate. Gotcha. Cool. So both at conferences or events. Correct. Gotcha. Nice. And those are both virtual events then. Correct. Okay. I'm sorry. I said North Star. It was not North Star. I couldn't remember the second one. That was my other one I missed in the summer, but I forgot the name of the second conference, but both conferences. Correct. Both conferences, mm-hmm. both virtual. Virtual yes. requires extra effort to reach out and connect with Ooh. people. Now, luckily, some of these events have apps, right? Like the Whova app you have for the best ever one coming up here at the end of February. And that's a great way. Yeah. I mean, especially when you've got five, six, 700 people, you're never going to meet right. all those people face-to-face anyway. So the apps are great too. We are recording <laughs> just a couple of weeks before the conference. So this episode may air just before or just after. The Whova app, 
I need to spend some more time diving into that to do the pregame networking as well, for sure. Yeah. What advice do you have for people who are going into networking events, whether virtual or in person, for the sake of finding potential partners? I guess number one, do your homework, right? So if you have access to an app like Whova, where you kind of know who's coming, and if you've been in the circles of Facebook groups and bigger pockets, you're going to recognize a number of the names. So, you know, learn a little bit about the background of people that are coming and focus on quality over quantity, right? If you try to hand out your card to one or 200 people, it's going to be a mile wide and inch deep, right? The depth of relationship. I'd rather focus on one, two or three people in a day. You've got potentially a weekend or two days Focus on quality over quantity, but if you do that homework ahead of time, you'll kind of know who you're going to target and who might be a better fit versus, okay, yeah, they're not going to be in the realm of what I want to do. Gotcha. So dig deep and try to identify people before the event that you want to meet. Correct. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. What's holding you back from getting into apartment building deals? Is it knowledge, fear, inability to take action, lack of support? If it's any of these things, then I suggest you consider Deal Maker Mentoring with Michael Blanc. Michael's program is the most effective program to help you syndicate your first apartment building deal. During Deal Maker Mentoring, you'll work directly with one of Michael's experienced mentors who have successfully replaced their income with apartment buildings. They've already done what you want to do, which is become financially free. So in addition to providing their own syndication experience, They've been trained in Michael's unique deal maker blueprint designed to help you do your first deal and become financially free just like them in the next one to three years. To find out more, text the word Joe to 66866. I know Michael's going to get you to where you'd like to be. Again, text the word Joe to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind and let's get you started with your own syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit passiveinvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's passiveinvesting.com forward slash red flags. Andrew, let's make this a little more personal. I want you to give me individually advice for myself that hopefully our best ever listeners will get some value out of. The best ever conference 2022 will be my first in-person networking meetup. And I am looking to connect with people who are interested in getting into medium and large size apartment deals for the buy and hold long-term strategy. I'm not looking to underwrite to a five-year hold, maybe a cash out refinance down the line to increase Mm -hmm. ROI by returning capital to investors. But it's within apartments, but it feels like a niche because underwriting to the five-year hold has been the sexiest thing for the last several years. It's the norm. Here's my niche. I'm interested to meet people who are already doing it. I'm trying to figure out whether or not it's a model that works. 
that appeals to people who are looking to place capital as limited partners. And I'd love to find people who are already doing it and winning. And I recognize that I have weaknesses and that I am much more of a team sports guy. I have skills that will definitely complement partners. And there are things that I need from partners in order to succeed at a high level. All that being said, Andrew, how do I find these people at this conference? So I guess before you even go looking, you need to know what you're looking for and why, right? So a couple of things. One, I would say be very crisp and clear. And I wasn't good at this in the beginning. Very crisp and clear about what value prop you're going to bring. Is it one thing? Is it two things? Is it, hey, I'm strong in financials and underwriting. Or I'm great at asset management. Or I'm going to help in investor relations. I'm great with communication and networking and things like that. And then what are you looking for? So you mentioned, hey, I've got some gaps. The more crisp and clear you are on them, the more you're going to be relatable to people, right? So the more calls I do with people, I've got one coming up right after this, I'll get emails saying, hey, I can do asset management, or I can do investor relations, or I can go find deals, or I can write letters to sellers. Well, that's kind of vague, right? So what are you best at? If you had to pick one thing, especially if you have limited time, if you had to pick one thing, what do you have to offer? And why is it going to be a slam dunk for other people or the hundreds of people they could work with? You get that clear, you get your 60 second pitch down, you're going to get somebody's attention much more quickly than it's generic, like, yeah, I'll do anything. Yeah, let's figure this out as we go. You may have a very limited window with this individual or group, right? And there's a lot of people. So you got to be able to, to be really succinct and crisp on what you're asking for and what you bring to the table. Andrew, I'm taking notes right now. I hope our listeners are taking notes <laughs> as well. So first things first, I need to understand my own value proposition and understand how to pitch myself to people who may be interested in partnering with me. What's next? I mentioned being able to do a little background work. You're going to know primarily if you're on social media at all or any of these Facebook groups and networking groups, you know who's going, right? So you know what groups are investing in the areas you may be targeting, you may or may not know their hold strategy at that point. Not everybody advertises that, but a lot of people do. If it's a 506C deal, you might see the business plans with two or three-year holds or I'll call a long-term fix and flip on smaller levels. Doing your background work, a lot of these higher level names will advertise what they're doing and what they're doing and do the background work on them and reach out and know who you're selecting out of those five, six, 700 people, or maybe a hundred people know your top 10 or top 20 and who you're going to help try to go after and network with. Andrew, this is great. And I'm going to push for this episode to air before the conference, ideally more than a couple of days before the great. conference. No, it's time. Um, specific to best ever 2022. Yes. There'll be several hundred people there. I'm busy. I want to make sure that I'm optimizing the experience and the opportunity involved in this conference. Can you give me an idea of how much time in hours I should spend preparing for the conference by figuring out who's going to be there. What are they doing? What are my opportunities to meet them? Making my top 10 or top 20 list and figuring out how I can track those people down. At a conference like ours with so many high-powered investors and several hundred people in attendance, how much time should I be spending in this preparation you're talking about? First thing I'll say, you don't need to kill yourself ever. Most people are not going to go through extreme efforts of doing totally. writing biographies of the people attending. So the fact you're going to spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes researching an individual group, and what have they done in the past? What are they looking for? Take a look at their website. How long does that take? Maybe 15 minutes a group, right? If you do that for 
four or five or 10 groups, you're not talking about days. You're talking about a few hours here and there. Maybe you do it at the airport before, right? You got downtime there. You got downtime before you get to bed or first thing in the morning. Why not leverage a half an hour here and there and just take a couple of notes? I think most people will be impressed by that. Like, I love what you did down in Georgia, that 86 unit you guys closed on. Tell me more about that. And what, what did you struggle with? And what would you do differently next time? Most people are not going to go to those lengths, right? So you're going to impress sure. an individual or group by just doing, spending that 15 minutes to learn more about them. That's incredibly helpful. Andrew, thank you. Best ever listeners. I hope you were writing down things as fast and as furious as I was just now. One quick question, kind of change of topic before we sure. get into the next segment of the episode. I think I heard you mentioned that you use a virtual assistant to help you with your underwriting. It's funny. We started out with a VA in the beginning and it, to honestly, it was not working for me. So it's funny enough, again, through networking at a local meetup group, I found a younger individual who I was kind of talking about what I was doing and, and the deals that we had just done. And he's like, that sounds great. I've got a supply chain and finance background. Would you mind if I helped you with deal analysis? So I kind of trained him up, local guy, 20 minutes away from me. We hit it off and now we're, we're analyzing 10 deals a week together. So that took the place of the VA and it's a win-win because I can get him in his first deal and it's no money out of pocket and no frustration dealing with non-native English speakers too. So yeah, that was totally. a win-win. So I, I recommend the same for anybody looking for a similar type help. There is someone out there that would do anything to get into a deal and there's a lot of financial savvy people out there. Absolutely. Andrew, the reason I ask is that I have a lot of experience with virtual assistants. I try to only give them work that allows for mistakes. Yeah. So if they mess something up unintentionally, maybe it's because of some sort of social miscue because mine are all international. Yeah. I know that I can clean up after them. I don't know yep. that I would use someone like that for thinking specifically most people who are using VAs are using VAs because they're diligent, hardworking, and affordable. Underwriting deals for me doesn't seem like something I would readily give in that regard. Someone with a finance background, particularly in real estate, I could see that being beneficial. But yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But the initial thought was that the most time consuming piece, you know, is take the OM, take the, the trailing financials and just plug them into the spreadsheet. Don't make any wild assumptions around any of the growth. Just plug in what's in the OM one for one. And it's starting to work. But again, I'd rather much have someone with the background, like you said, they can take it a couple steps further than just copy and paste, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I have a VA specific to the several hours a week of copy and pasting. Yeah, that needs yep. that needs to be done. I wouldn't do that with my underwriting. Andrew, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go, man. I'm ready. Awesome. What is your best ever way to give back? I'm also a podcaster and I really enjoy sharing everything that I learn always so much in every episode with all of our listeners out there. Nice. What's the name of your podcast? Crushing Cash Flow. Crushing Cash Flow. That's right. Nice. What is the best ever book you've recently read? So I'm just about finished up and it's not a new book, but it's Principles by Ray Dalio. Principles by Ray Dalio. That's in two parts, isn't it? It should be. It's about 600 pages. So it's a lot to take in and it's separated into life principles and work principles. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. I think work principles was released first and that's the you one could. that I've listened to. Ray Dalio narrates the audiobook, which is helpful. Yeah. Um, I think I'd struggle to get through that one in the audio form. It might be a little dense, but it's good. It's full of information. There's just stuff you got to go back and reread twice, though. Yeah, absolutely. 
the rewind 15 seconds button is really helpful for exactly right now, stuff. What is the best ever skill you've developed since you got into real estate? I don't have a financial background and I'll never be a pro underwriter with the best, the best, but uh, that's something that I've probably have taken a 200% increase on just for, out of necessity. Cause I like to double check those that are right. So for me, that's the area. Andrew, what is your best ever advice? Number one, pick one thing that you're good at and roll with that and go really deep, really far. Don't try to be everything to everyone. Don't try to please everyone. And lastly, Andrew, where can people get in touch with you? So I love it. So a company name is Redline Equity. Our website is investwithredline.com. You can email me at andrew at investwithredline.com. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Crushing Cashflow. Our podcast is on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn as well. Best ever listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you've gotten value from this episode, please subscribe to our show, leave us a five-star review, and please share this episode with your friends so that we can add value to them too. Thanks again and have a best ever day.